is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios. Excuse me. Hi, atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 30th day of January 2024. How are you doing today? Uh, it got up into the high 50s yesterday. I, I snapped a picture on the front porch yesterday afternoon about oh, 1, 1 um, right after lunch of our thermometer on the front porch, and it said it was 60 degrees. Now, the thermometer was in the sun, and after a little while, the, the, the sun's low in the sky this time of year, of course. And after uh, a few minutes, it had gone behind a tree, and the uh, thermometer was no longer in direct sunlight, and it dropped down to about 56. So, <laughs> but it was, it was a warm day yesterday. Um, and I was just trying to remember two weeks ago when it was 30 below. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm hoping we have uh, snow for the winter retreat um, that's uh, coming up this weekend up at Camp Upmost. Um, there is a sledding competition, and without snow, that's going to be hard to do. <laughs> so um, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. I don't know what the—I haven't talked to the camp director about uh, what the situation is up there. Um only communication I've had with him this last week is what time I need to be up there on Friday. Um, looking forward to that. It's going to be a good weekend. Um, always a good time. I, I have I have no responsibilities other than cabin counselor this year. So um, not doing any of the teaching. I did more. Uh, I did the men's morning devotionals last year. Not doing that this year. Uh, I just get to go hang out with the kids, and, and that'll be fun there also. Um, uh, I will be doing, you know, evening devotions in our, in our, um, in our, uh, um, sorry, I just got a message on my phone I'll have to look at after the show. Um, but uh, I, I will be doing cabin counseling. Uh, cabin devotions in the evening in our cabin. But other than that, I have no official teaching duties. So it's going to be a, just a fun, relaxing weekend. But since I'm going to be gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there will be no squirrel chatter Friday morning. Now, I know I don't have to be there until after lunch on Friday, but that I, I, I'm about to spend the weekend with a bunch of junior high and high school kids. I want to sleep in on Friday, and if you can't understand and accept that, we need to talk. So there will not be a uh, squirrel chatter on Friday, and I uh, this is not the Rush Limbaugh show. I do not have a legion of guest hosts standing by to take over when I cannot be here. We just don't have the podcast. So uh, that is an advantage to podcasting over a broadcast uh, radio where you have to you got to play something every day at, at, at in your time slot. Well, we don't have to do that. So so there will be no uh, 
no squirrel chatter on Friday. And I just wanted, I said that yesterday. I want to repeat that today and tomorrow and Thursday. So no squirrel chatter on Friday. I'm looking forward to the, to the, uh, um, very much looking forward to the, um, to the retreat. It's going to be a good time. All right. Uh, as I said, it is Tuesday, the 30th day of January. Tomorrow's the last day of January. We're already a month into the new year. And uh, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings for the Life of Christ. And our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy continues. We are going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 26 today. And we'll probably get through the whole chapter. That is my plan. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how far we get. I got notes for the whole chapter, but uh, we'll see. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is going to be Genesis 35 and Psalm 35. Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and cleanse yourselves, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. 
So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Then they journeyed on, and there was a terror from God upon the cities upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is, Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Then Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel, under the oak. It was named Alon Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came from Paddan Aram, and he blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called his name Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and an assembly of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from your loins. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you. And I will give the land to your seed after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And Rachel gave birth, and she severely suffered in her labor. Now it happened that when she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. Now it happened as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Ani, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. Now it happened while Israel was dwelling in that land that Reuben went and lay with Billah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. And there were twelve sons of Jacob, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulon, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Billah, Rachel's servant woman, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant woman, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were a hundred and eighty years, and Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now Psalm 35 of David. Contend, O Yahweh, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and large shield, and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those who devise evil against me be turned back and humiliated. 
Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of Yahweh driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of Yahweh pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me, without cause they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction, which he does not know, come upon him. And let the net which he hid catch him. Let him fall into it in destruction. And my soul shall rejoice in Yahweh. It shall be joyful in his salvation. All my bones will say, Yahweh, who is like you? Who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong for him? And the afflicted and the needy from him who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up who ask me of things I do not know. They repay me evil for good. It is bereavement to my soul. But as for me, when they are sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I walked about as though it were my friend or my brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. But at my stumbling they were glad and gathered themselves together. The smiters whom I did not know gathered together against me. They tore at me and never were silent. Among the godless jesters at a feast they gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Bring back my soul from their ravages, my only life from their lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among a mighty people. Let those who are wrongfully my enemies not be glad over me. Nor let those who hate me without cause wink maliciously. For they do not speak peace but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They opened their mouth wide against me. They said, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen. You have seen it, O Yahweh. Do not keep silent. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my justice and to my curse, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Yahweh, my God, according to your righteousness, and do not let them be glad over me. Do not let them say in their heart, Aha, our desire. Do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. Let those be ashamed and humiliated altogether who are glad at the evil done to me. Let those be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves over me. Let them shout for joy and be glad who delight in my righteousness. And let them say continually, Yahweh be magnified who delights in the peace of his slave. And my tongue shall utter your righteousness and your praise all day long. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings in the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is The Golden Rule Summarized. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Matthew seven twelve. Dr. MacArthur writes, The perfect love of the Heavenly Father is most reflected in His children when they treat others as they themselves wish to be treated. This verse is a summary of the law and the prophets. It's also a paraphrase of the second great commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22:39. How we treat others is not determined by how we expect them to treat us or by how we think they should treat us but by how we want them to treat us. Man's basic problem is preoccupation with self. 
In the final analysis, every sin results from that preoccupation. We sin because we are totally selfish, totally devoted to ourselves rather than to God and to others. Unregenerate humanity can never reach the standard of selfless love on its own. So the dynamic for living this supreme ethic must come from outside our fallen nature. It can come only from the indwelling Holy Spirit, whose first fruits is love, Galatians 5.22. In Jesus Christ, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us, Romans 5.5. Only Christ's own Spirit can empower us to love each other as he loves us. Selfless love serves for the sake of the one being served and serves in the way it likes being served. Whether it receives such service or not, this level of love is the divine level and can be achieved only by divine help. Ask yourself. Sometimes we find ourselves grappling with such deep biblical matters that we overlook the most simple like the golden rule. Try being more deliberate in the coming day to heeding this basic teaching of Jesus. See how it alters the way you approach even your routine interactions with others. As a friend of mine said on Twitter this week, you're not that important. <laughs> and that is always good to remember that we are not that important. God is all important. And I, you know, our, you know, it's not all about us. We shouldn't be self-centered. And I, like everybody else, struggles with that. And so loving others is, at its heart, an expression of humility. You know, as Paul said, you know, consider others as more important than yourself. Um, that's humility. And that's something that we all need to grapple with from time to time, time to time being every five minutes. All right, let us now turn to our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 26. The first paragraph is fairly long. Let me read it and then we will break it down. Then it will be when you enter the land which Yahweh your God gives you as an inheritance and you possess it and live in it that you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you bring in from your land that Yahweh your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where Yahweh your God chooses for his name to dwell. And you shall go to the priest who is in office in those days and say to him, I declare this day to Yahweh my God that I have entered the land which Yahweh swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take your basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of Yahweh your God. And you shall answer and say before Yahweh your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. But there he became a, became a great and mighty and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us and imposed hard slave labor on us. Then we cried out to Yahweh, the God of our fathers, and Yahweh heard our voice and saw our affliction and our toil and our oppression. And Yahweh brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm 
and with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now behold, I have brought the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Yahweh, have given me. And you shall set it down before Yahweh your God and worship before Yahweh your God. And you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you shall be glad in all the good which Yahweh your God has given you and your household. Bringing the first fruits, this stipulation is um, an expression of great joy and great thanksgiving. The, The... Baskets of first fruit of the first harvest reaped by Israel after they came into the land which God had promised Abraham to give to him and to his seed. They were to, in thanksgiving of all that God had done for them, you know, multiplying them in Egypt and then delivering them from the slavery of Egypt, preserving them even as he brought judgment upon them in the wilderness and finally bringing them into the promised land. So we're, you know, 40 plus years after the Exodus and they have come into finally the promised land to take possession of it. And they are in the land and they have enjoyed the first harvest from the land. Oh, what a time for Thanksgiving. Look at all that God has done for you that he brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land, and you are now enjoying the fruits of the land, the fruits of your own labor. You're not working as slaves to somebody else. You derive the work, uh, the the, uh, produce of your hands. Now, this is to be distinguished from the annual First Fruits Festival, which begins the the Sabbath after Passover. Um, incidentally, or begins the Sunday, the first day of the week after Passover. So you have Passover, then you have the, the weekly Sabbath, then first fruits is that next day. And it's part of, it's in the midst of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it's a separate thing. Um, Christ was raised on first fruits, if you, if you hadn't figured that out. Um, so the annual festival of first fruits, which we see in Leviticus 23 is a different thing. That was, that was celebrated every year, um, in conjunction with Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. This first first fruits applies to the very first harvest that Israel had in the promised land. Every farmer. Every family, and, and, and the vast majority of the people were farmers. <laughs> um, even, and we think about the people that work in the cities as being, you know, urbanites. That's not really, that, that wasn't, you didn't have the kind of urbanization that we think of really until, you know, late medieval early modern times. I mean, you always had, you know, you've had, you know, going back to Babylon, you've had 
big cities and people that lived and worked in the cities, you know, shopkeepers, all of that, yes. But most of the people who lived in towns and villages, which is most of the settlements, when we when we think of the the uh, um, settlements in the Promised Land, all of these cities which which were overtaken in the conquest, these were not huge metropolitan areas. These were small villages, even. Even the cities of the plains, Sodom and Gomorrah, that were destroyed um, by God. Remember, Lot lived in Sodom. Lot's wealth was in his flocks and herds. Remember, he had flocks and herds and servants. He was a farmer. He lived in the city. But his work was outside of the city. Now, we can think of it as a commute. It was probably, you know, a, you know, he would walk out of the city. And, and obviously, he had servants tending his, his flocks. But there were times, I'm sure, when he was out in the field with the, with the shepherds and the herdsmen. Because that was the source of his wealth. Remember, that's why he and Abraham divided. Because both of their flocks and herds had gotten too big for them to keep going together because together they were too much for any plot of land to handle. And so Lot decided to go towards the, the cities of the plains, which were lush and, and, uh, and verdant where he could pasture and, and feed his flocks and herds. Um, right up until the rain of fire came down on it. It's now the Dead Sea area. It is no longer lush and, and uh, green, but at the time it was. And so, you know, but that city, you know, it, it wasn't a huge metropolitan area. It was a regional farming village, as were the vast majority, even, even Jerusalem. You know, the vast majority of the people worked in agriculture. Vineyards, I mean, the Mount of Olives is right by Jerusalem. You know, a lot of the people that, that tended those gardens and groves of olive trees on the Mount of Olives, the people that owned those gardens and groves, and, and they lived in the city. So you have... Um, I mean, well, it was, it was uh, um, Ahab who wanted Naboth's vineyard, and and you remember Jezebel had him murdered and all that in the Old Testament. You know, well, Naboth's vineyard is the Temple Mount, so that was you know originally a vineyard. And we, we think of that right in the city of, right in the center of the city. But you didn't, you know, this was not a vast city of millions of people. You, you, much, much lower population. So, so everybody worked in agriculture with very few exceptions. And so this would be every family bringing the fruit of that first harvest to God in thanksgiving and worship because now they're in the land and now they've received the blessing that had been promised for generations.
And, and so this offering was accompanied by this confession of, of all that God had done and how faithful God had been to Israel and, and faithfully he had brought them into the land in fulfillment of the promises that he had made to, first to Abraham back in Genesis 12. So we see this progression um, and just this, this great rejoicing and worship and honor and glory. And folks, if this is not a reflection of how we should act with our blessings. Um, we, we recently started passing the offering plate at church again. Um, for a long time, our, you know, offerings were just in a, there was an offering box at the back of the sanctuary and people just dropped their tithes and offerings in there and we didn't do it as part of the service. And I'm okay with that. But when I read this and I see the ceremony with which the people brought the portion of the fruit of their labor to God in thanksgiving and did it as an act of worship, then I start thinking, you know, passing the plate is not a bad thing. So here we see that. And, and so we can, we can give thanks to God when he rewards us. This, this should be, when your paycheck arrives in the mail, although none of us get paychecks in the mail anymore, um, it's usually just a, a direct deposit, right? Um, when your paycheck shows up in your bank account, is this how you react? Do you sit there and look at it and say, oh God, look what you have done for me. Look at how you have blessed me and give thanks and rejoice that he has made it possible for you to earn what you earn and that, that he has blessed you with income so that you can take care of your needs. Um, you know, what has he brought you through? What has he preserved you through? You're still alive. He's preserved you through everything that's ever happened to you. You know, you may have had hard times. You may have been hungry, but you haven't starved to death. You may have been tired, but you haven't dropped dead from exhaustion. You may have been cold, but you haven't froze to death. You know, God has preserved you through everything in your life until now. You may have been abused. You may have been beaten. You may have been mistreated. But God has preserved you through that. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. In every situation of life, be thankful because God is with you and he has a purpose in it. But here, you know, rejoice at all that God has done for you and rejoice when you reap the harvest. The next paragraph, beginning in verse 12, when you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, the year of tithing, then you shall give it to the Levite. <clears throat> Excuse me. You shall give it to the Levite, to the sojourner, and to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat within your gates and be satisfied. Then you shall say before Yahweh your God, I have purged the sacred portion from my house, and I have also 
have given to, to the Levite and the sojourner and the orphan and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not trespassed against or forgotten any of your commandments. I have not eaten of it while mourning, nor have I purged any of it while I was unclean, nor have I given any of it to the dead. I have listened to the voice of Yahweh my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground which you have given us, a land flowing with milk and honey, as you swore to, your fa to our fathers. So this is an interesting passage here. We're looking at this tithe. There were three tithes. There were annual tithes, and then there was this every third year tithe. There were two annual tithes and a third year tithe, and, and it's been worked out as to what it worked out to, you know, each tithe is a tenth, is a tenth, is a tenth. Um, but it was tenths of different things at different times of the year. And it was always a tenth of the increase. So it wasn't a tenth of all you possessed. It was a tenth of the increase. So, um, you know, your, your profits, your income. So it was a tenth of the harvest, because remember this is, wealth is measured in, agricultural items. Tenth of the harvest, a tenth of the the flock, a tenth of the herd of the 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 increase. So if your herd has, you know, if you have a herd of cattle and in the spring all of your cows and bulls produce one hundred calves, ten calves is the tithe. It's not a tenth of the whole herd, it's a tenth of the increase. Um, and of course, all the firstborn are holy to the Lord. So these tithes that were in place, it worked out to be about 19.5% of income, of annual income, around 20%, which is analogous to the, the fifth that Joseph imposed on Egypt. Now, how many of us, as April is rapidly approaching, would wish that our taxes were 20%. Um, but that was, the, that was the tax rate in Egypt under Joseph, and that was the tax rate in Israel, because the tithes, you know, supported the temple and the, the priesthood, and there, there, was no, there was no king or anything. The, the, this is one of the things, when you think about the, the, the elders of the cities and the gates of the cities, these men were not paid for this. They did not receive an income from the city. This was they were they were farmers and businessmen and they had their own own sources of income. They were not paid by the city to be the elders in the gates. Um, now they were usually among the more wealthy, respected people in the city. Yes. And again, we're talking about low population cities. We're not talking about vast areas where you're not likely to ever meet your mayor. I mean, you know, the vast majority of, of Angelinos have never met the mayor of Los Angeles and never will. Um, but in, in, you know, I know the mayor of Superior. 
there's less than a thousand people in Superior. You know, um, uh, even Missoula at a hundred thousand. Um, I haven't met the current mayor, but I met the former mayor several times. Just from you know, I've I've met several state governors here in Montana. There's only a million people in the state, um, and one of them was my high school football coach. So his, his brother. So, I mean, it, it, it's I've met I've met three of the governors um, of the state. Um, I've met I've met uh, two senators. One of them currently sitting there that I did not vote for, John Tester, but I've met him a couple of times. So, you know, the 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 population of Israel was much less. So the, the, the elders in the city, everybody knew them. It wasn't some high lofty position and you'd never get a chance to talk to them. These were your neighbors. These were the people you knew. Um, and so, you know, that was, they were not being paid by the city. So the, the tithes and offerings went to support the temple and the priesthood. And so, you know, kind of an important thing now that there were people who voluntarily donated to, you know, later in time, build synagogues and stuff. But that was, that was not a requirement under the law. Um, but once the, the synagogues came into being, then people, you know, would, but the, the tithes really, you know, the, the, the various tithes, he said, but you know, this tithe was a tithe to, um, this every three year tithe was a tithe to help the widow and the orphan. So this was a, this is a, confession when you bring this tithe and again it's brought as an offering it's brought as an act of worship you pay all the tithe of your produce in the third year the year of tithing then you shall give it to the levite to the sojourner that's the homeless you know the sojourner is someone who is traveling through who doesn't live there um there is a hardship to traveling because when you're traveling, you it's hard to earn a living. If you're traveling, you have no land of your own to grow crops, and and you have no. You know, I'm not saying there weren't people that travel for business. There were, but most of the time, when we think of sojourners, we're thinking of, in a lot of ways, what we would consider the homeless today. Um. But it was different, all right. There was they're not, um, they're not. I, when I look at the homeless today, I, I, you know, in the cities, the, the campsites alongside the freeway, I, I can't help think of, you know, ne'er do wells, and most of them are there by choice. Um. And, and but this is a you know the sojourner is is someone who has traveled to the land. And, and and so the, there was supposed to be support to them, to orphans and to widows. So what this is, this is giving a tithe every third year to those who cannot support themselves. 
Remember, the Levites had no inheritance in the land. Their inheritance was the Lord. They were, their job was to serve in the temple. So they had no inheritance in the land. They had no farmland to grow crops. They needed to be supported by the people. Sojourners have no farmland. They can't grow crops. They need to be supported. Widows have no husband to support them. Orphans have no father to support them. So this tithe goes to the people who are unable to support themselves, which goes right along with the New Testament admonition that Paul gave to the Thessalonians, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. You know, this assumes the Levite is working in the temple. The sojourner is working. He's not just a layabout. You know, widows are probably still keeping house. And orphans are kids. They're not expected to work. They're expected to be obedient. They're expected to, you know, do, do chores and stuff. But you don't expect a nine-year-old to support himself. So this, this is a confession of dependence upon God. And as MacArthur says in his note, living in obedient expectation of God's continued gracious blessing. And all of this is that, you know, that look down upon, look down upon heaven, upon us with favor. Um, it's actually interesting. The note in the MacArthur Study Bible says this was the first reference to God's dwelling place being in heaven. From his abode in heaven, God had given the Israelites the land flowing with milk and honey as he had promised to the patriarchs, his continued blessing on both the people and the land was requested. But it is it's the first, first reference in the scriptures to God in heaven. And, and that's an interesting, interesting point to, to bring out. All right, the last paragraph. This day Yahweh your God commands you to do these statutes and judgments. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have today declared Yahweh to be your God and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments and listen to his voice. And Yahweh has today declared to you to be his people, a treasured possession, as he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments and that, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made for praise, a name, and beauty, and that you shall be a holy people to Yahweh your God, as he has spoken. This is the conclusion of this address by Moses. He is, he, you know, he said, remember that Deuteronomy is several, Moses' final words to the people, but they were not given at one time. There were several addresses. This concludes this address. I think it's the second. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but this concludes this part. And he's saying that, you know, he's re renewing the command of God upon the people to obey him. They need to be totally committed to God. They need to obey his laws, keep his statutes, worship him with all their heart and their soul, be careful to do these things. Be diligent. 
you know, it's not a haphazard or lackluster, you know, be careful to do it. Pay attention. Don't just, yeah, whatever. Pay attention. So in a lot of ways, this, this final passage here, these three verses, or four verses, 16, 17, 18, and 19, is formally renewing the covenant made at Sinai with this new generation of Israelites. Remember the generation that went through the Exodus died in the wilderness as a judgment of God because they disobeyed him. This is now renewing that covenant between God and Israel to the next generation. So Israel accepted this. They agreed to it. They acknowledged that Yahweh was their God, is their God, and they promised wholehearted obedience. So, And in response, they were assured that they were God's people and that they had been chosen above all the other nations. And they were to be witnesses to his glory throughout the whole world. So this ends that first address by Moses. Or second address. I think it's the second address. I'll look that up. I'll let you know tomorrow. We'll be in chapter 27 tomorrow as we start the next address. I will check the notes and see if that's the second or third. I think it's the third. I think we've, finished, we've done two of Moses' addresses to the people. They're not short addresses. We may have even done three. I'll, 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 I'll have to look at that. Hey, I, I don't have all knowledge. <laughs> um, if I don't look something up, I, I'll, I'll forget it. The, the details often slip my mind because that's just me. Um, learning disabilities, I deal with it. You have to deal with it. Um, I have memory issues that I have had my whole life. It's a form of dyslexia. I've talked about it before. Um, that just, I, I cannot, rote memory is very difficult for me and me remembering details is very difficult for me, which is why I write things down. <laughs> it's, I carry, I have it right here. This is a little pad with a pen that is in my pocket all the time because I have to write things down. Um, if I need to remember something, this is my memory. <laughs> it's in my pocket all the time. Got, got some business cards in here. Got some tracks in here. Got uh, glasses wipes in here. And then I've got a little notebook. <laughs> so this is a uh, indispensable part of my day. It, it sits here on my desk and it's in my pocket when I'm out the door. All right. Well, let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now a colic for the third Sunday of Epiphany. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For peace we pray, O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Wish you the very best of Tuesdays. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.